Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Soul Path Podcast. This is the 20th episode. It's exciting to me. Uh, it's kind of a big deal. It's, it, it feels awesome to have been able to show up and be present 20 times now to be here and speak from the heart and share with you the ideas that I think are nourishing to our spiritual growth as we all um, navigate the spiritual journey of life, pursuing that peak uh, peak life experience. So today I have a special guest on the show. His name is Mr. John Patrick Moeller. John is a Buddhist monk. He is a spiritual leader. Uh, he's got lots of great insight and, and stories to share with us today. So I look forward to getting into this conversation. Please like and subscribe. Hit those buttons now. Share the conversation with your friends. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Did you grow up in Florida? No, I grew up in New York. You oh. know, I lived in New York until I was 30. And I wouldn't have left, really. But my meditation teacher gave me like the 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 push out. Okay, go on. And um, yeah, I had just come here to visit a friend. And by the time I was done with that trip, I was already planning to move to move here. There's a, there's a temple here associated with the one I was living at in New York. And so that's that's how I came down. And yeah, I just started to really like. I love the ocean, like. For me, that's that's really it. It's not about Florida for me. It's about the ocean, and um, yeah, I just love being close to the ocean. It it just recharges me in so many different ways. Beautiful. So, yeah, I can relate yeah. to that. I, yeah, yeah. I, I growing up in Alaska. I grew up on the Kenai Peninsula, so there was ocean, you know, on three sides of the land. And uh, I started working on the commercial fishing boats when I was young. And just being the smell of the ocean, the sound of the ocean, being out on the water, I just always really loved it. It kind of was a special experience for me. So that's kind of neat. Well, brother, I'm glad you're here to join us today. We're going to do an episode for the Soul Path podcast and really explore kind of the concepts of human potential as it relates to the spiritual journey or maybe the spiritual journey as it relates to human potential. And uh, I just I'm looking forward to learning and hearing more about your journey. You know, I thought it'd be kind of fun to just do a quick opener, uh, just kind of a rapid fire. Life is people are. I am set. Go. (laughs) Yeah. Take it and run. No wrong answer. Life is people are. I am. Life is amazing. Life is great. Uh. I love it. People are, people are wonderful. People are deep. People are so much more connected than they realize. I am grateful for, for everything that I can see about life and people. And I am an emerging leader in the world. Yeah. Absolutely. I'd say that you are, you are emerged. You are in bloom, brother. It's beautiful. It's been really awesome seeing you gather and grow groups of like-minded people that are coming together around the idea of growing, of healing, of uh, elevating and shining out, you know, light into the world, because we need a lot of that, Uh, especially with all the chaos and all the kind of craziness that's going on. It seems like probably there's never been, you know, a better time or a more pressing, urgent time for spiritual leaders to step up and are anybody who's has walked the path right you've got some steps down that path it's a well-trodden path but ultimately it's a personal path you know to gain the wisdom and the insight that is 
relevant and it allows ultimately uh, it allows us to speak to, to, you know, to help lift up, encourage and equip people so that they can walk that same path too. understanding that we're all kind of pursuing that um, that peak personal experience. So when uh, when I say like human development or, or human potential, what is uh, what goes through your mind when you hear those words, human potential? Yeah, so human development, I always, for some reason, I think of like psychology class and like the stages and I don't really necessarily agree with what mainstream people think about in terms of human development, but with potential, it's something I've spent a lot of time with. Um, It's really just our heart. It's just our heart. It's our heart in whatever stage of development that it is in. And we have limitless potential. Our heart can become fully actualized. Our heart is what actually grows. Like eventually the body drops away. Our our, our more like superficial states of mind at some point are going to cease. You know, something deeper than all those that transcends uh, death, really. It's the part of us that moves from from life to life to life. um, You know, and from that is where it develops, you know, the grosser states of consciousness and also obviously our take a new body in every life but uh, you know i call that our heart right so uh, is that a very scientific way to call it i don't know it's, it's not super, it's general enough that everyone can can apply what they believe to to it you know what i mean yeah so without getting so precise it's our heart that is our real potential right and when we grow our heart we ripen our potential and that's that's it there's there's no real limit it, it, in my in my understanding there's no limit to the growth potential of our heart. And the the best way to think of it, I think, to make it really practical and grounded is like whatever stage of development your joy is at, your peace is at, your love is at, your compassion, your patience, your wisdom, your intuition, whatever stage of development each of those are at, because those are all growable states of mind. They're not stagnant. They're not not, um, inherent. They're all, you can grow all of them. Whatever stage your joy, peace, love, compassion is that, that is your heart. That's your potential. That's your actual potential is your current state of those positive emotions. And if you can learn to grow those positive emotions more and more and more, you're growing your heart, you're ripening your potential. That's the only way to ripen your potential. That, that's literally it. It's not more complicated than that. And it's not, it's not an abstract concept. The potential doesn't have to be abstract. It's just, yeah, the state of those emotions right now. Those, those emotions are the seed of our limitless potential. Those are the potential, right? So that's, that's the way that's worked for me. It's just getting in touch with those current emotions. Like, can I learn to develop joy, right? Can I, can I get in touch with my enjoyment and just see it as my limitless potential for joy, for boundless joy, right? Can I get in touch with my little bit of peace my peace, right? And that's my limitless potential, or that's my potential for limitless peace, right? My presence, my current presence is the seed of my limitless presence. So getting in touch with our current state of those emotions, the current level of those emotions, that's the potential. So for me, that's how I think of it. Awesome. So it sounds like, would you say that, uh, you know, that heart, you know, growing the heart, is that synonymous with 
spiritual growth in your mind? Like the words kind of mean the same thing. Like to grow spiritually is to grow in the heart. And, and that is uh, the, the seed of all things, you know, the peace, the joy, you know, all of that, that compassion, the gratitude, the kindness is coming from the heart. It's, a, you know, we're, a, we're emotional creatures, right? We're emotive. And the potential is for us to be in a positive emotional state, experiencing peace, joy, etc. in the present moment, right? Like that's the, that's the high potential. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's exactly it. Yeah. I mean, the word spiritual is, um, you know, people can have all different types of meanings. The best way that I have learned to think of it is a spiritual practice is anything that increases your positive emotions, like I mentioned, and it also uh, decrease, identifies and decreases the negative emotions. So that's also a spiritual practice is to learn to identify the negative ones and to decrease those because those are literally blocking our heart right now. Okay. So it sounds like then spiritual practice is, is a matter of emotional regulation, but that's kind of like the, the heart is in the captain's seat, right? And so we can direct our awareness and by directing our awareness, then we can uh, regulate, we can reflect on and, you know, set our emotions in a direction uh, ultimately, and we'll, this is going to segue here to hear more about your background in a second. Uh, but ultimately, we're we're creating a little bit of separation between the kind of the soma- somatic, visceral, emotional experience, like somebody just cut me off, or you know, wow, I think the girl just bat her eyes at me, or or whatever the emotion might be. We have an immediate emotional response, that kind of reactionary response, and then uh, we can we can evaluate that, you know, and I would say through spiritual awareness. And once we can maintain awareness of that emotion, we can say, oh, is this, is this an accurate emotion? Is it a helpful emotion? Is it a harmful emotion? How is this emotion serving me or serving this relationship? And if it's not, how can I reframe my relationship to the event as I'm experiencing it, right? And and create a different story, a different dialogue that that helps to kind of create that catalyst for positive emotion. Something that's a that's yeah. a spiritual discipline, right? I mean, it's a mental oh discipline, gosh. but it is a spiritual yeah. discipline. In my kind of world, in my background, the, the, the difference between mental development and spiritual development isn't really there. Okay. Right? But it's like they're pretty much the same. Like your our mind is the tool that we use to grow spiritually okay. and, you know, spiritual, yes, yeah, spiritual, spiritual progress and mental development in the right direction are to me the same thing. So, um, I love what you said about reframing. That's really it. Right. That's, that's kind of it. It's like, how can I think about the situation differently? Right. And can't change what happens to us. And yeah, right now it looked like for an untrained person, it looks like, the world is dictating my emotions and how I feel like this situation makes me feel like this. And this situation makes me feel like this. But if you were to get more precise about it and like slow it down and like break down each moment, play by play, so to speak, it's the way that we're thinking about the events that is causing us to feel certain ways. It's only the way we think about it. If we were to think about it in a different way, it would be positive. We can have a positive experience all the time. And when I say positive, there's, you know, people talk about toxic positivity and stuff like when I say positive, I mean like 
actually positive. <laughs> I don't mean that you're pretending to be positive. I don't mean that it's a faking, faking a positive emotion when you're really overlaying that on top of something negative. That's what a lot of people do. And yeah, I used to do that, of course. I used to do that. I was, I was the good Buddhist who tried to not be negative and I would repress the negative and fake positive. Okay, yeah, I went through a phase like that for probably a couple of years. Okay, so everyone does it, but that's not what I'm talking about when I say positive. I mean, actually positive emotion, like positive framework, positive emotion. And we can have a positive experience of everything in life if we can learn to think about each thing in a positive way. And that requires a deep practice of learning the negative ways that we're looking at something and trying to disassemble those. That's something that most people don't, I don't think, have much experience of is actually watching the negative responses unfold and learning to not repress them, not express them uncontrollably, but to identify them and to see where are they coming from, where are their causes. And if you can take away the causes of a negative train of thought, it removes it in a way that isn't repressive or suppressive. It just disassembles it from developing at all, if that makes sense. And from that place, and it requires acceptance to be able to do that at all and, and wisdom to be able to do those, that. But once you can do that, you can build a positive emotion or a positive framework in a way that isn't fake. It's not faking. It's just purely positive. So anyway, that's, that's how I would kind of deepen what you just said. Yeah, I... I go through a process kind of for myself and I share this with clients, but you know, that there's this pattern, you know, uh, to me, spiritual growth can be summed up as elevating awareness and, you know, by elevating awareness, I'm talking about elevating heart level awareness, right? That, that seed of pure energetic awareness, the soul level awareness. So as we elevate that inner awareness and come to embody that present awareness in the moment more, then we gain access to you know, our thoughts and emotions and even greater, you know, control over our bodies and that sort of a thing. But we go through this process, elevating awareness allows uh, all of a sudden, okay, now there's the patterns, right? You know, I can start to see and become aware of these patterns in my life, the patterns in how I'm feeling. So, oh, I remember I was feeling this way about the same time yesterday, or I was feeling this way about the same time somebody looked at me like that last time. And, and whatever the case may be, Whatever that trigger may be, I become aware of the emotional state. Now, the first step is to acknowledge. I have to acknowledge the emotional state, acknowledge the circumstances that are beyond my control, you know, that kind of stuff. And then that's not enough, right? Just being aware and acknowledging that exists in reality is step one. Step two is accepting it, right? Like, okay, I have to accept that that's not, I might not like it. I might, you know, da, 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 but I have to accept it. And if I can accept it, acceptance is really, um, it's very subtly linked to surrender and letting go, right? So I, I may have, my ego may have expectations, my mind's created all these expectations, but if I can let go of the grip on that and just accept what I've acknowledged exists in the light of awareness, you know, then I am free to assert myself, to assert my awareness. Uh, which loops it right back around is to a spiritual expression, but I can ex assert my inner intention. My intention is to, to be kind and compassionate, uh, to be, to hold the space, to be present, to allow another human to experience their, their own emotion experience in my presence without provoking 
an emotional reaction and chain reaction to explode right in a in a confrontational situation but that pattern of elevating awareness acknowledging what's going on accepting what's going on and then asserting you know the new path forward i'm in charge here and that's what is so empowering to me and that's that's really why i get so excited about the spiritual journey and you know human potential uh, we are spiritual beings. Life is a spiritual journey. And I understand when I say that, that everybody's got a different take on what that means. And that's okay. You know, and that may be uh, that a person is is hearing that and receiving it uh, coming from a lineage, you know, one of the major traditional lineages, you know, whether it was Buddhism or a Western lineage or what have you, you know, there's going to be connotation that comes with that verbiage that comes with that perspective that comes with that. What I mean when I say the spiritual journey, I just recently had a conversation uh, I was a guest on somebody's podcast and I, I said, well, have you, you know, ever, uh, had anything that you would describe as a spiritual experience? And the answer was no. And I, I was a little bit surprised, you know, like, okay, so, but the answer, as they begin to share the answer was, you know, you know, spiritual experience in, in that individual's mind was something that was like, um, a religious experience or a ceremonial experience or da, da 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 and so i had to take a second and and try to identify you know the disconnect between what i was saying so i explained it like this you know okay i'm not just my body right my body's changing growing i could you know at one point i was gonna lose my foot right they're gonna amputate my foot they could chop off my foot and i'd still be me so i'd still be alive so there's there's still me there and so I'm not my, not just my body and I'm not just my mind because my mind is changing all the time. I can in fact change my mind, but most importantly, I can observe my mind. I'm aware of my body. I'm aware of my mind. So that inner awareness, that heart level awareness, right? We could get into like the 40 million neurons in the heart and I mean, all this kind of stuff, but you know, ultimately that seed of pure energetic awareness, the soul level awareness that allows me to witness and be witness to my mind and my body, this life unfolding, that is the spirit within, the indomitable, in, you know, incorruptible spirit. That's, that's the, you know, it, it alludes to the great mystery of life, the eternal enigma, the grand sum of everything, the essence of life itself, you know what I mean? It alludes to that. And there's, there's so much to kind of go there. But I think before people are ready to talk about uh, maybe like the higher levels of ascending spiritual growth, you know, or or, or transcending some of the uh, patterns that are holding them back, kind of keeping us locked in this carnal state of being where we're driven by biological, physiological response, instinctual response, we are are kind of going through path uh, life on a path of default. And it's not taking us anywhere near where we want to go, which is, you know, increasing levels of satisfaction, peace, joy, happiness, elevating our awareness, growing right into our potential. What is human potential? I mean, I could develop my body like an Olympic athlete, but I'm going to get old and die. Right. Like my body's going to, to crumble and be in the dirt someday. You know, I could I could develop my mind and 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 be like, you know, as as fine-tuned cognitively as I could possibly be, but my mind is going to decline. My brain is going to decay, you know? And so what is this element of self? And, and as I elevate my awareness and as I study uh, the different tradition, wisdom traditions, I study different anecdotal stories, 
you know, about life before death and life after death, you know, these kind of these end components, the bookends on the existential human experience, you know, that that is uh, that's where the mystery is at. But it all points to something more, right? Something there's something more inside of us. There's a higher purpose, a higher reason. And this is what I've come to call and come to think of as the evolution of the soul. You know, it's, you know, the evolution of consciousness, the evolution of our awareness. We can look at it at kind of the, the global or the cosmic level, cosmic consciousness and that sort of thing. But the, what gets me most excited is the idea of, you know, ultimately our own self-directed evolution, right? Soul-directed evolution. I can take the reins and gain wisdom internally. I can grow, like you said, I can grow my heart, right? I can summon the wind horse, uh, I was reading a, a great book by a great monk, actually. At any rate, the uh, he's talking about the wind horse, you know, and you got to summon the wind horse. And I was like, yes, yes, that's it. You know, like we have to fan the flame and get that inner fire lit up. And then we can experiment. We can explore and push the envelope of uh, what we are capable of. So segueing here into your background a little bit, right? Uh, your, I mean, we've had the opportunity to talk and I know, you know, your background is in, in Buddhism, but that's not where you started at. So maybe you could share your story a little bit about, you know, kind of that, the, the seed of your spiritual journey, like where the, 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 the headwaters, the very beginnings of your curiosity and the emergence of your awareness and how that led you to, uh, being, you know, in the temple and teaching, you know, and, and so on and so forth. That That's a big journey. So I'd love to hear more about that. Thank you. Yeah, it's a great question. So, yeah, I mean, I don't have too much memory of it, but I've been told by my parents that when I was younger, I actually had some natural, like, faith and devoutness towards whatever spiritual thing I was exposed to. And the thing that I, that I loved the most, I think, was the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi if you're familiar with that prayer. And um, what I remember about it specifically is he prays, Lord, may I become an instrument of your will, right? And so for me, that that phrase kind of summarize, summarizes an approach that I've taken to, to spiritual development, which is trying to become an instrument of something higher, to connect to a higher force and to be a channel for that. And um, I've done that in you know, in different ways, but I just, yeah, I had this, this natural faith, I guess. And then a very ordinary kind of grown up childhood, I think, like I had friends, like I, I didn't, I wasn't, my parents weren't explicitly very spiritual or religious and I wasn't, um, they're open-minded though. So yeah, one, one thing that they did to help me was even though we went to church, they said, Hey, you know, we don't believe everything this guy is saying here. But we like to go anyway, and because of the community and whatever. And it put this thought in my mind: like I, I, I can, I can question, I can piece together my own beliefs. I don't have to believe everything that I'm told, which is, in some ways, the opposite of what some people are told when they go to church. Right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. So it allowed me to start thinking critically, and that you know, and just search for truth. Right. So um, yeah, my my journey kind of really picked up when I found out about psychology. Psychology was in a sense my way in. And I suppose I was 
interested in physics and stuff too. And so quantum physics became another pathway. So for me, there was a, the, two, the two paths were psychology, quantum physics. And eventually through, yeah, through, I guess, meeting different um, people who were, who were like acted as like a guide or like a signpost for me, I found um, something called Self-Realization Fellowship. I started studying a little bit of Paramahansa Yogananda. Um, yeah, I guess before that, I had just found different spiritual books. Buddhism had spoken to me. And um, it was all through the, the mechanism of psychology, wanting to be a therapist and wanting to improve myself so that I could help others. That became, I guess, the, the main thought at some point was, oh, because my teacher had said, um, the qualities of a therapist themselves are at least as important, if not more important than whatever techniques that they're using. Right. And so I realized, Oh, I need to improve myself so that I can help others. Yeah. And that thought gave me a really strong direction on, on a spiritual path. And, um, yeah, it's hard to kind of talk about all the details, but that year I had like a spiritual unfoldment. That was in 2008, 2009, my mom had cancer. I just had, I had stopped, um, to be honest, I had stopped smoking pot in that year <laughs> and uh, my, my potential started to ripen and it was like, uh, I just started to become more spiritual that year, more, more aligned, more centered, more, more myself really. And yeah, for a couple of years, I kind of like learned and dabbled in different things, self-realization fellowship, Buddhism, uh, meditation, yoga, different types of things. And uh, eventually, through through this altruistic thought of wanting to like be a therapist, so I could help others, I um, I got a job as a substance abuse counselor, and that was like my first like job where I was really along what I felt like was my path of like helping other people with their mind, you know, trying to improve myself as best I could. And um, what that job really did for me was number one, it got me through graduate school. That's what I really wanted it for. But that what it actually did was it was 15 minutes away from a world-renowned Buddhist temple, ah. right? And so, and one of my clients is the one who told me about the temple, which is interesting. One of my clients was this 18-year-old kid who was a good kid. He was drinking with his buddies and he was the most sober one of the group. And so he drove, they got into a car accident. His cousin died in a car crash. And he became one of my clients. It's like, good kid. Yeah, he smoked pot. Yeah, he was drinking with his friends. But it was like an honest mistake, right? And he became a client. And he, he his best friend's mom was a nun at the temple all night. <laughs> going to, or she used to be there. And uh, he's like, you know, he could see by, I had like a Zen Buddhist calendar spread across my wall with the different beautiful images. And he's like, oh, do you like Buddhism? There's a temple nearby. It's the only one like it in the whole country. Just go, just go see it. And so I did. I, like a week later, I was there and I, I basically never left. It was exactly what I was looking for. They just, I just went to see it and they just happened to be having a class that night. So I was like, okay, I'll go to the class. So I did. I really loved the class. It was exactly what I was looking for. It was like really deep meditation, taught very authentically with a really nice spiritual community. Um, very accessible, um, without any pressure. It was just like, here's a really cool way to meditate. And it just happened to be the beginning of a month-long retreat. So I just had perfect timing. That class was the beginning. It was the introduction session of a whole month 
of retreat. It's the most special month of the year in that tradition. It was January 2012. And so they're like, you know, there's some retreat sessions tomorrow. If you want to come back, we're doing four sessions. Uh, it's $5 per session. And uh, I was like, all right. And so I went back the next day. I did four sessions. It's like, man, I love this. And so, yeah, I started um, going every day before work. So I, I still have my full-time job. So uh, there was a session at 7.30 in the morning. So I'd go to the session and then leave five minutes early so I could go to work and be there by nine. After work, I'd go to the temple, eat dinner with everybody because they had these community vegetarian meals, uh, like buffet styles, really good food. And I was, um, I had been vegetarian for about six months at that point. And um, I was not really nourishing myself properly because I didn't really know how to cook vegetarian. <laughs> but the temple did, it was like delicious. So went for the meal, then the 7.30 p.m. session, and then weekends. And so I pretty much just jumped in as full as I could. And the third week, I just had really like, really deep experiences that felt different than anything I've ever felt before. And that's when I asked to move in. And it was funny. I, was, I had kind of been bugging one of the nuns. I had a very like intellectual mind at the time. And so did she. And so I was always like asking her questions. And after that session, she's like, Hey, do you have any questions? And I'm like, yeah, what does it take to move in? So um, I applied to move in, got in three weeks later, uh, two weeks later, and yeah, lived there for four and a half years, and yeah, just an amazing journey. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's I mean, that's covering some ground, right? Like, I mean, holy smokes! By the time that you had found that connection and that fellowship, like all of a sudden, you know, boom, you had you felt like you'd arrived, right? Like this is it. This is where you're getting that spiritual nourishment. Uh, you're getting the answers, you're getting the experience of growing, right? Of something touching deep inside. So I was wondering if uh, if you could elaborate on, this, go back just a little bit to the, uh, you know, it was something that you had never felt before, right? So you had experience going into churches and stuff, you know, on and off probably throughout life. Uh, but when you were at the temple and in that, group of fellowship, there was something there that you experienced that was unique. Yeah, it was novel. You hadn't experienced that before. Can you can you put words to that or just kind of Yeah, sure. I mean the to be honest, the very first thing that was striking to me about it was well, okay, the temple is beautiful and blah blah blah. But the real thing that moved me a lot was the community. So the kindness of the people who were there and just how 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 just joyful it was to, to talk to people and have conversations that was different too. So I had been to, I, I had mentioned the self-realization fellowship, right. And I went to a weekend little retreat that they had in New York city. And it's a, and there was only one per I was brand new looking for like a connecting, you know, connection community and only one person out of everyone who was there even bothered to talk to me, you know? And I just felt like, like in hindsight, I didn't realize it at the time, but it just didn't click. In hindsight, I can see that it didn't click, but also that it's a path, it's a very personal path. Whereas Buddhism is a very much like a path of like helping others, right? It's a very altruistic path. And so uh, the kindness and the warmth and just the example of the other people was, was something I had never experienced before too. 
And that was striking for me and just so nice. But I guess what had happened was the first two weeks of meditation that we did, they were on a different topic in every session. And so it was good, but there wasn't time for me to really build it. I was very new to meditation, to be honest. And my mind just wasn't capable of meditating at a high level. I was fall asleep or I'd be distracted. But that the third week, we built every meditation session, just built gradually, gradually, gradually on the previous one. It was pretty much the same meditation every time that we just did. And so that gave me an experience of letting my mind really deepen and really feel what meditation was really like. Like I felt like, oh, I'm doing it, you know? But the, the deeper thing I think was um, that practice is done in conjunction with a particular deity. And the, the visualization of practice was guided by the teacher. And, I, and you kind of imagine the, the deity kind of dissolves into you, the spiritual guide dissolves into you, into your heart. And I think it was a, com- like, I didn't realize at the time, but I think I made a connection with that particular deity in that practice. So that touched me in a deeper way than I could even describe. <clears throat> and so that, I think that's really what it was, is I received some blessing through that practice. Would you say that that was like, that was the, the most uh, immersive spiritual experience you'd had? And maybe even like the most intimate divine connection, that sense of actually being, you know, communing with the presence of divinity, right? The divine presence. Yeah, that's really awesome. I, I, I can relate, you know, on the note of fellowship. And this is something that's near and dear to my heart because I'm not, uh, you know, I grew up in a similar way, uh, open-minded you know, my mother was a hippie. My father was a biker, right? So uh, we definitely didn't go to church, but probably got dragged to church a few times here and there. And it was, you know, you know, there was, there was some, you know, folk wisdom, you know, the good Lord will provide and stuff like that, but not, uh, definitely not a religious upbringing. And uh, due to some of the the hardship in my childhood, I was kind of had a rebellious streak, a chip on my shoulder. And so uh, what I, went through a really bad car accident and and lived and wished that I hadn't, I got very angry at my God concept. Like, why am I alive? Arr, you know, like all that. And so it sent me on this war path. And that led me to ultimately an ultimatum. I was given an ultimatum in the military. Like I needed to go to the brig uh, jail in the military, or I was going to go to the chaplain's retreat because I needed to get right with God is what they told me. And uh, I was like, well, that's kind of a no-brainer. I'm not going to go sit in jail. I could go sit at the beach, you know, at the at the at the retreat center. And uh, and at that retreat center, I was welcomed into a group of fellowship, just warm, caring people that didn't judge me. They didn't, you know, like here I was. I mean, a real hard case, you know, kind of belligerent, angry, pent up, all up in my head, like just get away from me, kind of a thing. And it's hard to visualize you like that, by the way. It's, yeah, it's so different from that now. <laughs> it's, you know, that was over 20 years ago. And it, it changed the course of my life in a big sort of way. And it actually took me, uh, it, it brought me in and gave me something I had never experienced before, which was that, that sense of fellowship. And in that sense of fellowship, uh, the, the, safe, the safety that was there allowed for, well, for healing to unfold, but for 
for me to let down my walls, their loving kindness, compassion, understanding, you know, grace and acceptance allowed me to let down my walls, deal with what I needed to deal with. And ultimately, uh, in order to do that, it, I, I had been creating so much um, rift between where I was at and and the goodness of life, right? So I, when I say God, I'm talking about good old divinity, G-O-D, right? Good old divinity, the, the grand essence of everything that is, right? The sum and essence of life itself. So uh, I had not experienced anything like that at that point. And it because my heart was just hard and grr, I was not in a place emotionally. I was emotionally numb and detached, right? So I was incapable of experiencing spiritual you know, fellowship. But when I did, it was like the lights turned on for me, right? Like, wow, there is something more here. And so I spent a period of time, I call it, you know, the religious phase of my life, but I got very involved in uh, in the in the fellowship, in the church group, in the Bible studies and all that, because I want to understand these people had something that I didn't have. Uh, and what they had was their own personal relationship or connection with the divine, right? They were experiencing communication with God in a way that I had not. Now, pause uh, and, and go back. I had been introduced to meditation through martial arts when I was young. Uh, probably, you know, seven, eight years old, I was staring at the dot in the wall, learning to control my breath and focus my mind on external, you know, withdrawing from external distraction and all that. And I had a strong, uh, taking to it. I enjoyed it and I liked it. I liked this idea of I can control my mind because so many things outside of me were out of control. I could focus my breath, and control my mind. And that led me over the course of, you know, the next 10, it was 10 years later, actually, that I got in a really bad car wreck. But uh, the, uh, 17, the, uh, the time in between, probably 14, 15, I hit a peak experience with meditation that I would say now, like, you know, looking back, that was my first deeply spiritual experience was through meditation. But that was in isolation in alone, like on a mountaintop meditating kind of experience. And then here I was later having a fellowship spiritual kind of experience. And I believe now that it's necessary for an individual to experience both and to have both on a fairly regular basis, that personal spiritual experience, the fellowship spiritual experience in order to effectively grow. My, que my question is, you know, if somebody's not into church, for example, they're like, eh, not my cup of tea. I'm not going to go to church. Fine. Uh, so they're, they're kind of out of spiritual fellowship, right? They don't have that connection. And then maybe they go and they, they, and they get to go to a temple. I've been to a couple of Buddhist temples that are, you can just feel the presence of God in the place. There's no getting around it. There is something sacred and spiritual there. And I've read some pretty fascinating studies of the bo a book called the, uh, the power of intention or the intention experiment. And it talks, they've done studies, uh, at the atomic level, the molecular structure of things in places like, uh, temples, 
uh, prayer halls and all this, and not just in Buddhism, but you know, across the different wisdom traditions, in those places, because of the repetition of mantra, of prayer, of good intentions going out, it literally changes the molecular structure of how things like plants grow, how crystals form, how you know the the atoms line up in the molecules of the chair, kind of a thing. It's pretty fascinating stuff. Something also our bodies, right? Just to kind of extrapolate that, like the body becomes naturally healthy yeah. when when you infuse it with prayer and that kind of things. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. No, that's beautiful. That's that's exactly it. So if a person walks into a temple, that's where I was going, you know, and the same thing, like they walk into the church and like, eh, and they're out. But they walk into the temple and they're like, you know what? This ain't my cup of tea. I'm out. And so they leave, right? So they're also, I call it in the spiritual wilderness, right? They're not connected with a spiritual fellowship. How much do you think, or in your experience, do you think that affects growth, spiritual growth, personal growth, human development? You know, or not, I say human development, not in the early childhood development, but in, in the stages of, uh, you know, we reach maturity. Right, right. I understand. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then we can cont- continue to develop our potential. Uh, how important is the spiritual fellowship to that? Oh, it's, it's essential, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be in a more like a traditional way, right? Like, yeah, for me, I really resonated with the people at the temple. Good. Well, okay. I also had the karma for that, right? I had some connection from a previous life where these type of teachings made sense and this type of whatever made, you know, made sense for me. It resonated for me. But everyone has to find fellowship in, in some way, right? So if somebody isn't very spiritual and they're going to say no to certain things, Okay, well, you'll probably find it in the Alcoholics Anonymous meeting yeah. or in a business meeting yeah. or at a sports team, right? So you're going to find the fellowship some way. And I can guarantee that there are enlightened people within that fellowship to some extent who bring up the consciousness of the group and allow everyone to become a little bit more spiritual. So people are only open to receive it at whatever level they're open to receive it at. And for some people, they're like open enough where they could go to a Buddhist temple or um, a very devout Christian organization or something like this and be like, I'm home, right? Some people, they have that. And for some people, they're like, "Uh, I don't know, but maybe they'll go to a business meeting or have like a business kind of networking group or a a mastermind is really what I've been thinking of since you asked that question. I think the answer is a mastermind of some sort, whatever format it takes. You, you, you must find it. it is impossible to be supported enough in our practice without that. Mm-hmm. It's essential to have like-minded peers who can be a mirror for us, who can show us the example, who can support us when it becomes hard. The, the analogy in Buddhism for the spiritual community is like a nurse, nurses, right? Just like you need a doctor, but you also need nurses to help you to administer the medicine. Mm. Or the doctor might prescribe it, but they're not going to hold your hand as you apply it, but the nurses can. So we need that community to kind of hold us, support us. It's there's like, an, if I were to give like an energetic example, like analogy is um, like a rocket pad, like a, like a rocket launch pad. Like when a rocket launches, it has to push off something, right? In order to thrust up, it pushes down with enormous force. It needs something strong there to push off of. And for a spiritual person, the community 
is what provides that energetic support to allow us to kind of go inward enough to kind of really have that experience and to, to ascend, to ascend yeah. as well. So it's, it's essential. If someone wants, like the easiest way to be happy and to have a good life is to find a supportive community at whatever level you're open. And if you want a spiritual life, you need to find a spiritual community. It's the end of story. Yeah. Period. And a spiritual life is, I mean, to me, that's everything. Like the spiritual priority is everything because without, I mean, we could build business, you know, and, and have, you know, seven figure comfort, right? And and be able to, uh, you know, attain the highest levels of material achievement and get there and be totally and completely bankrupt right like have nothing inside be like what did i do this for i don't care you know complete apathy nihilism at that point because what what was the purpose right uh similarly we could you know go through life and be you know aesthetic and poor and then ultimately you know have full you know be full of incorruptible treasure on the inside uh somebody dealing with physical pain you know you could feel like oh god's punishing me and this is miserable and terrible or somebody can go through and experience incredible pain and hardship and if they are you know have a spiritual strength about them or a, you know are able they have the spiritual awareness and are able to tap into the inner resources that are already there then they can endure that gracefully right because they're not identified with body right is that uh, can you you know, add to or expound on why the spiritual journey is so important, why this part of ourselves is so critical to develop. Yeah, man, you're absolutely right. It's it's the only thing that makes us happy is, is the truth, right? Like whatever spiritual experience we have is the thing that makes us happy in that moment. And if you get to a certain place in your life where you have other things, but you don't have that, you will not be happy or satisfied. And at the end of the day, at the end of the, our life, the only thing we get to take with us is the contents of our heart is our spiritual experience. Yeah. Everything else we put behind. So that's really it. If we want to have, we want to be happy with everything or with nothing, all we need to do is have a spiritual life. And that's, that's, that's the end of story. So I love that you prioritized that. Like you showed a good example of that. It's very clear by, by your presence that, that you're embodying that to me. So thank you. I, I, I totally agree. It's the only thing that actually matters. It's it is uh, it's something that I feel like the world is desperate for right now. Uh, you know, just just a by association. You know, so much has gone on the last couple, you know year, two years really, but last year in particular uh, with the COVID crisis and you know and lockdowns and mandates and stuff going on. There's been a lot of uh, just political tension in the air and. Political tension is just social tension, right? Like people not knowing who to believe or what to do and all that. And so to me, the the only reasonable, the only practical anecdote to political chaos and tension is the elevation of spiritual awareness, right? So if we can grow at the heart level, at the individual level, and then uh, through community, through fellowship, help others grow, elevate spiritual awareness, we can begin to, you know, kind of prioritize and put front and center the altruistic intent, look at it, you know, societal issues through the lens of awareness, accurate perception, accurate thought, right? Not fictitious mental illusion in mirage thought, but actually having discernment 
which requires a degree, I would say, of spiritual maturity. Oh my God, yeah. You know, right? Yeah, wisdom, yeah. Go for, for it. sure. It's the only answer. It's the only solution, as you're saying. Life is crazy. People are crazy. The world's crazy. It's only going to get worse, I believe. Mm. And it's going in the wrong direction. So I'd say that, yeah, I mean, you said that people are, the world is desperate for it. I actually would say that the problem is that they're not desperate for it. Okay. Like, they, de- they desperately need it. Maybe that's so it. From the outside, I think that's what you meant. Like, from the outside, we can see, okay, yeah, the world desperately needs more spiritual awareness. Yeah. Okay, true. But they don't, they don't want it. <laughs> you know, most people don't care. Right. And so that's why they don't have any. It's because they don't care because they don't prioritize it. This is this is it, right? I mean, this is what uh, where the rubber meets the road is. Okay, so and you you hit the nail on the head. You know, yes, there is a great need, but it's an unperceived need, right? Like that. There's a lot yeah. of people that don't realize people that are like, oh, I don't think that uh, God created the world in six days, or I think I don't think they put all the animals on the ark. The, the earth is not flat. Therefore, I don't believe in God or religion, and therefore I'm woke. You know, like. It, it, it doesn't really, like it doesn't really work like that. You know what I mean? You still have to go down the spiritual path, spiritual development, you know, the self-discipline of self-reflection and refining and all that kind of stuff. Uh, there is a spiritual path. There is a spiritual connection, a spiritual journey, a spiritual expression. It is going to affect every area of your life. It's going to enhance your chances of achieving success, ultimately equip you to enjoy the journey uh, and, and, and also cultivate you as a citizen of a community to connect, give back compassionately and help neutralize a lot of the uh, kind of the volatility and the viciousness that's out there. There's a lot of sharp uh, energy out there, I feel like right now, just biting and, and conflict. And it's like, time out, time out. Let's, uh, let's try to elevate our awareness to where we can come together and where can we grow together? Where can we connect on common ground and say, this is what we share as, as a human. Like we're in this human experience. What does it mean to be alive? Right? Why, what am I going to do with my time on earth? Uh, what really is going to make me happy? Where can I find peace and satisfaction? You know, you know what I think is, and so you, you've been through a lot of difficult times in your life. And so have I, right. And so like those, a lot of those like uncomfortable moments are where we find really good questions about life like you're asking and then we find some really good answers and i think that because of the state of our world where there's technology and people there's so it's so easy to get divorced from ourselves so easy to find little little hits of pleasure little comforts and that that space of discomfort is so small for most people that they don't ever ask good questions and so they don't ever find good answers so you know, one of my teachers said, he's like, yeah, the world's becoming more spiritually devolved. Mm. And he thinks that, and that, that devolution is actually quickening. It's actually getting, it's like rapidly getting worse spiritually. And he thinks that technology is actually a big part of the reason why it's, it's going faster. Right. Yeah. And because, because it's like distraction is like one of the main things. Like if with distraction, you can't do anything. There's no spiritual awareness at all. It's distracted. And it's distraction is just so easy right now. Yeah. So a yeah, practical I mean, that's tool. why we need people like you and you know, like me and like group mastermind groups and that kind of thing. Like we need to find this so people can get a get a wedge in to to start living a spiritual life. I wonder, and we can talk about this uh, more just to kind of check the time here. I, I'm curious. I, I have a, I have I have to go. 
I have a thing at 11, so I have to go like five minutes prior. Okay. All right. So yeah, we're coming up on the last couple of minutes here. Uh, I love the idea that's, you know, you've kind of, you've mentioned mastermind, but of doing a spiritual mastermind. Uh, you know, I, I have a template for a retreat that I want to do when things open back up and we can get people together again, uh, doing a, a two day retreat. Uh, the soul wisdom workshop is what the title of it is, but ultimately it's, it's a systematic process for deep diving, like deep inner work, deep reflection to help people who have not taken that plunge into their, you know, personal inner world to awaken and nourish, to stimulate the spirit within in such a way that it comes roaring up and like, yes, okay, I know now this is my purpose. This is what I'm doing and allow that spiritual energy to become the driving force, right? Because the mind, oh, the unruly beast, you know, you talk about distractions and, you know, it's bang, 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 bang. It's getting pulled around all the time constantly. And yes, technology is the worst at that. Uh, and so we, we deplete ourselves because we get so caught up in pursuing the external distraction not properly prioritizing, plugging in and developing the spiritual side of it to, to keep that fuel coming. But that, uh, that's something that I think would be an outstanding project. And I'm looking at the sunny. Let's do it. Let's black. do it together, man. Florida's open, right? Oh, well, I'm talking about the mastermind, but yeah, yeah. Florida's open. Oh, yeah, let's do a retreat. Let's yeah. do a retreat too. Yeah, that'd be black. I remember, we almost... We almost were going to meet right before COVID started. We yep. had a plan. Yeah. Didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Let's do that. And I think a mastermind, I'm thinking let's host a spiritual mastermind together. I'm in. I am in. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I want to invite you. I'm already doing one on Wednesdays. I want to invite you to, to come. Okay. To be a contributor. Wednesday. Uh, we hold it at two different times just for people uh, to find the one that works for them. So 9 a.m. and 8 p.m. So you can just, uh, Eastern, those are Eastern. Okay. So you can just pick the one that works better. It's, it's, it's the best thing I've ever, like, remember like a couple, like a year ago or so we did a couple meetings. It's like that, but it's kind of, it works really well. Awesome. It's that same style. Yeah. yeah. Drop me a link. I'd love to join. Okay. Awesome. All right. I will. John, it's been, uh, it's been fabulous. I mean, the, the conversation time flies when you're having fun, right? Yeah, so I know. we have to do more, Yeah. but thank you. Thanks thank for sharing you for your story. Time. Conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's keep in touch. Absolutely. Let's keep in touch. Yeah. I'll send you a link to that, and uh, appreciate appreciate your time. We'll keep the conversation going. We'll get out there and shine some light, okay. brother. All right. Peace, Good man. I appreciate Thank you so much. It. You too. Take care. Okay. Well, that was certainly an excellent conversation. I mean, so many great points made. The the high potential of human expression is the experience of just pure love, joy, and peace in the moment, embodying that more in the moment. Uh, I like how John had said, you know, spiritual practice is anything that increases our positive emotions and decreases our negative emotions. And really that's what this podcast is all about. Something to nourish the soul so that we can grow spiritually, so we can grow our heart, we can elevate our spiritual awareness so that we can enjoy that peace, joy, love, satisfaction, harmony with the world around us. That is the desired end state. So like, and subscribe and share this with your friends and we'll keep the good stuff coming.